podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terry Scottish Football Podcast, a Thursday Powerpod edition which sees me, Graham Phyllis, welcome two fine men to work our way through some some sensational features of the Scottish game. With me tonight, once again, I am joined by SBL Stats King, Craig Allison. Hello, Hello. Craig. What's that way? I like it. (laughs) (laughs) And in an almost unprecedented move, like getting the same ten bodies at two games of fives, two weeks running, I'm once again joined by Stone Cold Andy Harrow. Hello. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the risk of some kind of news happening today that we've missed, we're going to get stuck in a couple of features today. First off, we've been frantically scouring the back of our brains in Wikipedia to try and pick our managers a living. We're including all 42 SPFL member clubs, in addition to the national team, to give you a team capable of ch- a, a team capable of challenging hearts for the title this season. So we'll go by position. We'll go position by position and bludgeon each other to death if there's any disagreement. So, first of all, what are we doing formations-wise? I, I'm, I've got flexibility there. I, at the moment, I'm playing a 4-3-3 type setup. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Andy? I'm going 4-4-2 because that's all you ever watch in League 1 in Championship. <laughs> so I've also got 4-3-3, so we'll, we'll do... We'll go, as I say, we'll go position by position. We'll pick our goalkeepers there, defence, and then Craig and I will do three, you'll do four, then we'll do three. Right, grand. So, goalkeeper, who have we got, Andy? I've got Kevin Cuthbert. So, uh, he was manager for Wraith Rovers for a couple of weeks there. Uh, not particularly impressively, but uh, as a goalkeeper, he was a lot more impressive. Uh, a very solid goalkeeper. A pretty long uh, and distinguished career in the kind of top-ish level that, of Scottish yeah, football. That memory yeah. of him is that Hamilton Hibs playoff. He yep. played for Hamilton yes. and he was so delighted with the promotion and getting there, and then he, he got chucked immediately. <laughs> Did they not bring Chelly back at that point? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, With Cuthbert, though, uh, Rovers fans had kind of had so long with McGurn and had such a kind of uh, loved McGurn so much, yeah, that bringing anyone in was always going to be difficult and we had a couple of false starts. But I think once we brought in Cuthbert, he was the first goalkeeper after McGurn where the fans were kind of like, right, that's fine. After that, a few nervy first weeks where they weren't that convinced. He kind of settled down and he was um, and he was very impressive. So he would be my goalkeeper and also one of the, the younger people in the team still. Okay. <laughs> fresh, fresh in. Yes. Yeah. Like you still do a job for a couple of teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah probably. I, I literally could, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got Tommy Wright because I'd forgotten about Kevin Cuthbert, yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Tommy Wright was the only one I could think of. Um, I have to entirely pretend that I know something about uh, Tommy Wright's goalkeeping career. I don't. He, he, he used to wear gloves. Excellent, one gloves as a goalkeeper, which really does. Where was he playing? Was that like that, that was a novel thing to do? Yeah, he had caps for Northern Ireland. He played for Newcastle and Hull and Nottingham Forest yeah. and various teams down south. And by all accounts, was fine. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he, was a, he was a goalkeeper. He was a goalkeeper, which makes him the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper for this team because he's the only one. <laughs> if you don't count, yeah, right. So who've we got for right backs? Great. There has to be only one right back. European Trophy winning uh, commander manager Steve Clark. Mm-hmm. Indeed, yep. was selected in Chelsea's uh, team of the 
Sentinel. 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 The Sentinel in your team, alongside a whole collection of. He was, I suppose he's standing next to. This, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just like that he was in Team of the Century. Really. I know there's probably not that much difference, but I just like that. It seems a lot more d- definitive, really, than yeah. Uh, the Team of the Century. <laughs> so yeah, Steve Clark in there as well. Um, uh, he got a few caps for Scotland, but played yeah, yeah. more in his early days. Like yeah. he was not getting picked for Scotland while he was playing in European finals, which is um, maybe a sign of the. I don't know if it's a sign of quality we had there or just he's kind of I mean he was a very Dave Mackay type mm-hmm. dependable rather than exciting fullback. but Speak, speaking of Dave Mackay I'll jump straight in I've got Dave Mackay so oh, oh, just before that how how long is a century actually is that hundreds of years because <laughs> that, that's actually not as long as a, as a centenary probably for Chelsea so I, in my head I had it it was like infinite time <laughs> <laughs> from the beginning of time today's show is brought to you by <laughs> well <in> time <laughs> I just I totally because I, I was laughing at it because I thought it was like the, like it was you'd kind of said centuries if it was like <laughs> from the beginning of time up till now but it's actually yeah. then I was like no that was really unfair I was laughing at you because yeah, yeah, actually I, I, I was I'm not yeah. feeling yeah. I don't even know the difference between Tuesday and Thursday to be honest <laughs> Anyway, Sorry. as, as yeah. I say, uh, I've taken uh, Dave Mackay as one of my set halves uh, broadly because I absolutely adore Dave Mackay. I'm well aware that he played the majority of his career at right back and was obviously the, the right back winning, or the right back who was captain St Johnston to the Scottish Cup. And lifted the trophy wearing a bra. Lifted the, lifted <laughs> the trophy wearing a sports bra. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely adore Dave Mackay. He was linked with Morwell. Um, as they were leaving Livingston before Missoni turned up at the Perth Broxton roundabout with a, a, expecting a, a briefcase full of cash for him and Murray Davidson. Um, genuinely, true story. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's the, must be the best deal in Scottish football history. Yeah. Forget the last one, we're mm. getting like Murray, Murray Davidson and Dave Mackay for like 35 yeah. grand or yeah. something. Abs- absolutely nonsense, but Dave Mackay obviously was a. I still want of that uh, St Johnston tied and again just these injuries caught up with him eventually but he is one of my old, like one of my all time Scottish football favourite players um, and that he was fantastic at right back and could score a crack free kick shuttled up and down the, the line I thought it was terrific so yeah I'm having a bit centre half but mainly just because I love Dave McKay uh, and there was a lot of centre half yes. and defensive yeah. midfielders yeah. this year um, and McKay didn't make my team because um, my pairing was uh, Kegelveen yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Scotland centre half uh, trophy virgin um, still never won a trophy <laughs> in his career but did have a successful career and uh, I cheated somewhat and went for the Scotland manager Alex McLeish McLeish is my, my the, the pairing of Dave McKay and Alex McLeish in there as well so he's again three time uh, top flight winner five Scottish Cup wins two League Cup wins one major European trophy one not so major mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 had, uh, I had Gus McPherson as my other option so over 350 games for Kelly won the Scottish Cup with him as a right back as a right back I, th- I always thought he was a centre Gus McPherson in my head ok fair enough uh, he's also, he's also left he was manager of himself he's there, not there. Kevin Cuthbert rule but he's uh, 
always going, always going, Tony, hasn't he? He's got seven minutes of that count. That's still a bit. No, I did see that. I did see that two days ago, and I noticed that that was possibly going to happen. I covered myself. That was fine. But I just got his position wrong. Who's your other centre half, Andy? Craig Levine. Craig Levine. I do again. I feel bad that I didn't include Craig Levine, and I'm fairly sure Rob's going to shoot at me. But broadly, just because I love Dave McKay. I feel sorry for the likes of Darren Dodds and Martin Cannon who might have had a decent shout in mm. these sort of teams had yeah. it yeah. for the plethora of centre-half yeah. I, I did actually I considered picking Darren Dodds just because I enjoy his face because it looks like it's chiseled <laughs> he looks like an Easter Island statue <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah I was considered, certainly considered that but decided against it uh, Andy left back left back Gary Naismith um, very good career for Hearts Everton did you know pretty comfortable he had quite a lot of injury problems yeah. Naismith um but uh, he did have a very good career down south. He was kind of well respected in um, sort of all the clubs that he went to. Uh, yeah, pretty dependable for Scotland when he played as well, generally. Also won the Kirin Cup. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, the big one. <laughs> Scotland's last yeah, international so, so looking at my back four, I've got European trophy winner uh, Steve Clark, European trophy winner uh, Alan McLeish, major international trophy winner Gary Naismith, <laughs> and no trophy winner Craig <laughs> Uh, I also have Gary Naismith. My only problem with Gary Naismith is that my abiding memory of him at Scotland top is that it was Gary Naismith who put in the cross for Iwolimo. Oh, yeah. Who appeared in that game, put in a, a beautiful cross, which which was pretty much the end of Naismith's Scotland mm. career. And for that to be the end of, of Naismith's Scotland career seems terribly unfair, given that, as you say, he, was, he fought through numerous injury problems. Yeah. Um, and was still playing until pretty recently for his fife as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Gary Naismith takes the, the left back spot there as well. Uh, right, so move on to midfield. Uh, and you got four, so do you want us to start with a, a right wing? Uh, well, that was a problem. I'm not sure I've actually got a right wing, but I've just shoehorned uh, Alan Johnson in it, right wing. Um, yeah, Alan Johnson was a really, really fun player to watch. I remember from um, when he was at Hearts and then uh, Kelly as well and latterly Queen of the South and obviously he was down at Sunderland and I remember him being at Wren or I'm going to Wren but obviously never seeing anything of him at Wren and then he kind of came back a season later but he was kind of one of those guys that it was rare for a still rare for a Scottish player but he did feel the type of player that could have been successful because he was a very good he was, was technically very good it was around the time when the, the Bosman came in at first you couldn't go to England on yeah, the Bosman yeah, yeah. so I think he went he went there uh, Derek McInnes played for Toulouse um, Gary Paul, Smith Paul. formerly of Hibs or Dundee yeah, or somebody sure. was playing in France yeah Brian Rooney was that about the time Brian Rooney went to Dortmund and then cost Motherwell a fortune to come back to Celtic a year later yeah there was quite a few either so it was the time for it yeah, and he got 18 caps for Scotland. I, don't, I have to say, I don't remember him playing for Scotland at all, to be honest, but 18 caps is all right. Yep. I remember he played in the game against, I'm sure he didn't, I think he even scored in the game against the Czech Republic in Euro 2000 qualifying when we were 2 0 up and lost 3 ah, 2. And uh, they won every single game in that group and we finished second. Um, I'm sure he played at that. For some reason, I remember that. Uh, he's in my team as the kind of. Outside, right? So um, I'll I'll jump in. I've got, as I say, I've got a four-three-three. So I've got a defensive midfielder. Um, so I've gone for Jim Goodwin um, broadly because <laughs> once <laughs> once the remainder of my midfield has been filled, you'll understand why this is great. Yeah, it's really, really great. Um, but yeah, Jim Goodwin, um, obviously uh, captained St. Mirren to the League Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, captained them as the 
failed to beat a nine man Rangers as well, but that's less <laughs> less important. Uh, doing very well at uh, Alloa, of course, and chucking his players into big bins full of ice. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I I, I always had a, a huge amount of sort of grudged respect for Jim Goodman and that even in, it was the season, uh, I think it was the season St. Mirren went down, uh, they played Motherwell at first park and I genuinely, it was, from time to time you, you genuinely feel bad for players in the opposing team because I think it was like you know, one five nothing or something along those lines and after about ten minutes, the like the, the essentially the other ten St. Mirren players had absolutely chucked it but Goodman was still charging about because he's, a professional he's, mm, a, yeah. Yeah, he's he got to respect himself when he goes home and looks in the mirror so yeah I felt uh, particularly there I felt very bad for him but I also felt that the, the guy got a bad rap for my for my, uh, for my money I thought he was great fun mm. just a big snarling beast running about hitting things I'm all for it um, well yeah this is obviously quite fractured in terms yeah. of how we do it but my, my defensive sitting with uh, Hibernians Neil Lennon um, one, one of the best in that position probably ever to play in Scotland um, and yeah. Yeah, just a good player. Yeah, yeah. You had between him. I was kind of swathing between him and the Jim McAnally that played defensive mid for Dundee United, rather. Because I think earlier in his career he was a fullback, especially, and he kind of moved to defensive midfield. And I think he was there when Dundee United went on their European run and beat Barcelona and stuff. So he was still, and, I think, still playing in the '94 Cup final when they won the cup. Right. I believe as he, well. Yeah, and he had a wee spell with us as well. Uh, at the very late stages of his career but yeah I kind of went with Lennon as well I think just it was an excellent I've, I've got McAnally in my three as well yeah. actually I've got Lennon also in my in my, in my central midfield as mm. well because again it's a, it's a midfield with Jeff Goodwin and Neil Lennon and then of, my, of course my third central midfielder is Stephen Gerrard yeah. because I mean who doesn't want to see a, a midfield three of Neil Lennon <laughs> Jeff Goodwin and Stephen Gerrard I suspect Stephen Gerrard could still play in several that that midfield because even looking at me with Jim McAnally like I didn't see a lot of them but I, I remember watching I watched the 94 Cup final back which is why I think he played in it because I can remember not realising really that he'd been much of a player mm-hmm. and then looking back and being like well he played in the UEFA Cup final he played, I think he played for Scotland um, in bits and pieces mm-hmm. and like an under, underappreciated career really mm-hmm. and I think that's the problem with us I've, um, yeah. I've just, just as an aside I've picked as my manager Dick Campbell because why not um, <laughs> I literally would have no idea what type of player Dick Campbell is he probably started his career in like the early 60s <laughs> like, like genuinely I don't know why he's, he's yeah. about 70 year old like yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, just, it's really diff- as you say it's very difficult to picture him I mean like we're talking with goalkeepers I could very easily picture Dick Campbell as a goalkeeper like you know very very old ones you're still mm. wearing a flat cap yeah, that's, yeah. Why Jim, <laughs> that's why Dick Campbell wears a flat cap because he's always worn a flat cap but he's no um, I also had Dick Campbell as my manager just because again the image in my head of a midfield three of Jim Goodman Steve Gerrard mm. and Neil Lennon being shouted at by Dick Campbell <laughs> or just giving them a, a gentle thumbs up whenever he enjoyed something why would anyone like this is just it's, it's absolutely what I want to see yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah Neil yeah. Lennon Steve Gerrard and Jim Goodman Pretty good. Uh, yeah, the only other guy I had midfield was Neil McCann. So, is that, I mean, maybe you guys have got him. Is, is that? I do. Three, but, uh, he's, in, he's in my front three as well. Um, but again, he had a, you know, very good at Hearts, went to Rangers for nearly £2 million. Um, and then, even kind of towards the end of his career, basically helped save Dundee from relegation yeah. in that goal that he uh, scored. Did I think I've shot that? For the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine, it's fine. I give it another six months. 
Yeah, Neil McCann, I've got him in the, on the left of my front three. Um, as you say, that, as, as, as we're joking about that, Dundee moment, again, one of my favourite moments of being at a football game was watching Gary absolutely lose his mind at that, and I fully include myself mm-hmm. in that as well, because it was a stupid moment, it was a stupid time to be going to Dundee games, but it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But as well as that, McCann was just a smashing player, and more than anything else, he... I always felt that he's, I always feel that he was sort of underappreciated at uh, international level for Scotland to a large degree as well. Um, but he certainly hurts me. If, you, if anyone has the time, go back and watch the the Rangers four Hearts three game for in the League Cup final. Well, Hearts lose the game and McCann win the man of the match, and it's absolutely deserving of mm-hmm. it. And, and a Rangers up against a Rangers team that has uh, Gascoigne and McCoyst and whole pile of stars. Neil McCann's the best player on the pitch by head and shoulders, miles and miles ahead of anyone else there. And it's just an incredible. Um, and I'd also like to know what he did with Coca Cola bicycle. Mm. Well, while, while we're on that topic, you, we might as well say that you should also read the article written by podcast contributor Craig Cairns on that very Indeed. match and not Mag Magazine, uh, not Meg Magazine, even uh, the sponsors of this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, and also uh, Coca Cola, quite good. That's <laughs> a Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> I've already got Pepsi's of Coca-Cola well, okay, okay. and stuff my way bring up. the whole world yeah, together yeah. Um, yeah so that, that that's my back 10's all been covered and it's just the, the centre forward I've, I've gone for one um, I think I remember a couple of days ago I remembered that Jonathan Johansson um, <laughs> was a manager so I've not quite got into my team I've just still left him on the bench yeah. but he's a better option than when I drew up this team on Tuesday um, and uh, I've gone for I've gone for Inverness boss uh, John Robo Robertson. Uh, I also have that, and the more I think about it, um, this team would probably score about forty past the hips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really would. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also I, I also had uh, I have got Jonathan Johansson on the on the right of my front three yeah, as well yeah. uh, with uh, with John Robertson through the middle. Um, yeah, that will be that will be a, a, if you're. I mean, essentially. It, it's Hibs without Neil Lennon as manager because he's playing a central midfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think who are they managing them? I don't know. Louis Stevenson, <laughs> presumably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that team may struggle. I think Hibs may struggle against my my eleven manager, but Dick Campbell. Yeah, uh, yeah, I had John Robertson as well. I mean, there's just so many goals he scored so over two hundred and two spells. Yeah, um, and he's worth it if you haven't. You're a bit too young for watching John Robertson, and we were kind of towards the end of his yeah, yeah. career, really. But he's worth definitely going back and watching stuff in YouTube in terms of his. He's like uh, the the prototype pair in the arse yeah, hearts yeah. straight on centre forward, um, and how all other hearts centre forwards rightfully should be judged from then on. Um, you're either uh, John Robertson, and I can't stand you, or you're not. Yeah. And I'm perfectly happy the watching Dale Carrick. You're Dale Carrick, yeah. yes. <laughs> And I'm perfectly. Did he not score against the Hibs as well? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was no. Yeah, I, had, I, had, I had, no. I had one other. Uh, yeah, same manager. Yeah, I had one other player because I went for the four four two. I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I because of my determination to play a four four two. Uh, I had to pick a side and there's not really that many options actually when it comes to it's weird that it is all largely yeah. defenders I don't know what the psychology of that is as well. yeah as well yeah. Yeah. but um, 
Yeah, so I went for Stuart Petrie, who I remember quite a lot. Him and Hamish French were kind of two defining bogeymen from uh, my childhood. Hamish French looks like a bogeyman. Yeah, he does, yeah. And he also had a really good name, Hamish French. But the, as I went back and looked at his record, Stuart Petrie's record's pretty bad. Um, it's one goal in every six for Dunfermline. He scored 46 goals in about 300 odd appearances. Um, but he kind of didn't always play centre forward sometimes on the left hand side as well. But yeah, he was my the other striker to shoehorn in the, from very little competition. The other option I considered yeah. for a striker but, but didn't pick was uh, uh, John Brogan, Albion Rovers manager, who scored an astonishing amount of goals for St Johnston in like the 70s, which says how old he is. Um, but uh, the other advantage of that is he would not be managing the team. Yes, that's uh, the, the, the real benefit <laughs> for him as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all. So I'll just run. To, so Tommy Wright, Steve Clark at right back, Alex McLeish at centre half, Dave McKay at centre half, Gary Naismith at left back, Jim Goodwin, Gerard, and Neil Lennon in central midfield. Neil McCann on the left, John Rawson through the centre, and Jonathan Johansson on the right. Yeah, so I've got uh, Tommy Wright in goals, Clark, Levine, McLeish, and Naismith across the back. Lennon, <laughs> Lennon, Gerard, and McAnally in the middle. Uh, Johnson, Robertson, and McCann across the front. Yeah, and I've got Kevin Cuthbert. Gary Naismith, Craig Levine, Gus McPherson in an unusual position at seven and a half. Steve Clark, uh, Neil McCann, Stephen Gerrard, Lennon, Johnson, John Robertson, and Stuart Petrie. <laughs> Smashing. Now, after all this chat about Alex McLeish, Neil McCann, and Jonathan Johansson, this is a perfect segue into our second feature: crazily overspending teams. So, Craig, who are you going to go with? I'm going to cover the Amber Machine, Livingston FC. Magic. So, is I. Uh, Andy, you're going to take uh, Rangers in the nineties. Rangers in the nineties, yeah. and I've got I've got more about. So, uh, looking at around about the advent of the SPL, yeah. when teams went a bit do lally and spent a lot of money. Oh, I think this could be a long running. Yeah, this could be a long. This could be a long running feature for the show today. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll try and get through it in the next sort of twenty minutes or so. But there's a lot to cover on this. So, does somebody want to go first? We'll we'll chip yeah, in on this. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go first. I wasn't actually planning to do Rangers. But when I had a look, so I was looking at all the kind of nineties transfers because I thought, oh, maybe I'll have a look at one of the teams that spent bonkers money on Paul Harvey, for instance. Um, but when I looked at it, I was like, I don't understand where all this money's come from. And then I realised that so many of the signings uh, were from Rangers and bought so many of these players for inflated uh, amounts. Well, Celtic had spent a wee bit. Rangers had spent an absolute fortune on players from Scottish football, and that money just kept being invested in other players so there's going to be a lot of tweets about this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I'm not going into why they had so much money uh, I can't be bothered with anyone responding to any of that stuff so we'll just ignore that but but as long as they all paid tax it doesn't well matter. exactly that's that's always what I've said as long as they paid tax um, but if you look at it in terms of the the players Rangers signed and this is the ones that there was numbers for so there's probably other ones that are yeah. disclosed but Celtic spent five million there or thereabouts on um, Scottish-based players. Rangers spent, and this is purely in the nineties, about thirteen and a half million on just purely on Scottish-based players and nobody yeah. else at that time. Uh, you know they were they were spending money. The um, Celtic signed uh, Lambert for two point seven from Dortmund. Now bear in mind, Lambert by this point had won the yeah, European Cup, uh, and you know Rangers. We'd already talked about Neil McCann. They signed him for about two odd million. Alan McLaren they signed for one point eight million. Uh, Dave McPherson two point three five. I mean, the money was was crazy. They obviously spent a lot. A lot of that was bulked out by 
Duncan Ferguson, so that was five and a half million. And it's just hard to actually judge the the money now. It doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, that amount of money in Scottish at football. that point in time, five and a half million would have been like probably one of the biggest transfers yeah. in Europe. Now it's funny because Scottish football like has moved gone, on. It's it's gone the other way. Yeah. In England, it's like oh, five and a half million. Yeah, that's what you would pay for a boy for three games. Championship. <laughs> so yeah. Listen, you're like third string, third string goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it, and it it doesn't make really any sense uh, in terms of you know if you look through those teams and you're going to come into I guess from from Motherwell point of view, but having that much money, like what did and then what did they do with it? Like what have they done? All these clubs have got no money now. What did they do with all the money apart from spend it around themselves and uh, push it down the wall? This this is when incredible. the I, I did the same and had a look at a collection of teams as well. I just that was the. The overwhelming sort of feeling of it was just where did this where did this all go? Yeah, it, it was when you have sometimes like read an old article and it'll be like or uh, Wraith Rovers or Forth for Athletic are about to complete the seventy five thousand pound sign. Really? What? Wait a minute. What happened to money in the late nineties? I know. Submitted and signed Ricky Gillis for. Over half a million. I mean, what is going on? And Rover and Paul Har- Harvey was the one, the, the Rovers one. He went, it was about, I'm sure it was about 400 odd thousand we bought him for. And it's like, where the hell did we get that money? And, from? and, and again, you, the, the one which is always remembered is, is Aberdeen spending a million pounds yeah. on, on Paul Bernard, who played about 20 minutes, all in all. Um, and again, played in the, the, the cup winning team for Aberdeen mm. as well. but Nah. Yeah. <laughs> when, when will the next million pound transfer for from other than Rangers or Celtic be? Like, like I, I can't imagine now the, any the, Scottish the, team spending that. The only way that'll happen is if Aberdeen get eight million pound for Scott McKenna or something daft like yeah. that. But yeah. even at that, there's no, there's not who do they go and buy? Cause, million pounds. Because he only McKenna's only shops in Scotland, yeah. England. Yeah. England are not getting anything good for no. a million pounds in Scotland. It's not much to sign. No, I, I think that's part of the thing about the the signings at the time. Scottish football. I mean, it, there must have been a, an element of it being very well respected for people to be because it wasn't just Rangers and Celtic, or it was largely Rangers buying these people from kind of mid-table Scottish teams. Like you were getting. Signing English, you know, English teams were signing players from Hearts and Motherwell, and not, and you're not talking kind of League Two English teams. You're talking sort of top two division signing players and taking a chance on them and spending a lot of money. So, and, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say the players were significantly better all at the time, but it's just the you know the starting amount is so much more. It's like Motherwell getting roughly three quarters of a million pounds for uh, Lee McCulloch and Stephen yeah. McMillan. And there's, I know there's a collection of Motherwell fans that even today think that Motherwell got kind of done on that. Like, what? If they got a million pounds for Lee McCullough, like, mm. you don't hear Stevie McMillan, who barely played another game afterwards. But the view, and again, come on to this a bit as well, is that at the time Motherwell were losing just such a colossal amount of money on an annual basis that while while Wigan paid what they thought they were worth, Motherwell were kind of over a barrel with it and that they had to kind of start accepting offers because they were losing so much money yeah. on, on an annual basis. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I said I would talk about Rangers, but to be honest, their signings aren't that bad. The, the, the Scottish base ones that they signed around that period were all right. You know, they, uh, Dave McPherson, fine. Duncan Ferguson, 
Uh, I mean, it's a good signing, uh, and he it definitely went awry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't end that well, but um, Alan McLaren's not a bad signing. Derek McInnes was four hundred thousand apparently uh, from Morton. Uh, Neil McCann, Andy Niemi, uh from Hearts, and Billy Dodds for about two hundred thousand. I mean, the money is mental, but the, the signings they yeah. actually made and again, that's too bad. That's not uh, speaking of sort of early early two thousand signings. That's not even the most mental signing in Scotland that Billy Dodds was a part no. of. And that the what was it Dundee United got a or the, was it the, was it, I, I make sure I get this right that they sp- was it Dun- Aberdeen gave Robbie Winters and money for Billy Dodge is that right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that might one, be right. One way or another. Yeah. Really. Again, just absolutely delighted. Which was one of those deals. Let me bite your hand off mm-hmm. for yeah. that. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, absolutely yeah. mad. But I mean, part of it in the early nineties was the the. Uh, three foreigner rule in the Champions mm. League, which uh, well, didn't didn't apply domestically, but they kind of were because there's always that famous story of all the Rangers fans saying, "Oh, now now we're going to do it." And '95 um, was it when that came away, and then you still had Alec Cleland getting absolutely bodied <laughs> by Del Piero in that famous moment. Um, and yeah, they're just uh, you talk about the, the money Rangers spent. It isn't on the domestic players that it was all went wrong. It was the mm. uh, However much on Marcus Gale and Daniel yeah, Prodan yeah, yeah. and yeah. the non-Scottish players, it was really the big waste yeah. of money. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they really started throwing money around in the sort of 2000s. That's where, as you say, they kind of... They, they did sign a, a number of good players sort of in the latter part of the 90s yeah. for a bit of money, uh, like Salai Drop, and then going into the 2000s, and then it just kind of went completely out of hand in terms of the, the amount that they were, they were spending. And obviously they went really... Making anything back or not very much back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I've got um, Livingston FC. Um, so I'm going to start here um, 1999-2000, which was the season which Livingston won the first division. And this was the point where uh, Dominic Keane came in. Now, Dominic Keane is certainly a shady character, I think. It's probably reasonable to say. I think in, in some sense, he's mm-hmm. might have been. But. Yeah. Um, so this is at the point where the Inverness were one of the big rivals. Inverness and Livingston had have like a very odd rivalry, which stems from them both kind of coming up through the leagues at roughly the same time. And they were able to go out and spend a, a estimate of one hundred and thirty-five grand on Barry Wilson from Inverness. <laughs> now Barry Wilson, very good player. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a second-tier club in nineteen ninety-nine, spending yeah. that money on a guy from another second-tier club. And Barry Wilson obviously probably been more remembered actually for playing for Inverness again once, yeah. once it all went wrong at Livy. But um, then they somehow in Wraith were going through mm-hmm. absolute turmoil at the time financially off the park. They managed to say Marvin Andrews, Alex Burns and Stevie Tosh for a combined fee in the region of something like 50 grand. Yeah, I remember Rovers fans were always raging about that, about the fact that they, you know, Wraith have got a history of very bad deals, and uh, but that was that was a particularly yeah, <laughs> that, that was a particularly bad one um, that we lost all those three to. Um, and then, so so in terms of money, that's been that's that's like equivalent of well, it's nearly two hundred grand on players mm. in the championship. They then were also able to sign Darren Jackson on loan from Hearts, at which point he was only one year on from starting for Scotland at World Cup. Yeah. To play in the second tier, yeah. Um, so this is the sign of that's the kind of the the prelude yeah, to yeah. all of saying Livingston are buying the league here, and that was kind of I think it was thrown at them by like Spurgeonette at the time, who were more or less okay. They did spend money, but they were more or less building their team yeah. on mm. local players, or the kind of you know the Tokleys and them and Rose and all these boys. Yeah. Um, so that set them up. They got promotion that season. Upon 
getting promoted. <laughs> As teams do, a couple of changes to the squad and you'll be fine. Not not Livingston. Livingston signed 17 players. <laughs> um, so there's a BBC news story from the 4th of July um, 2000. Livingston bring in 17. All the same day. I don't know if they were I don't yeah. think they were all actually signed on the same day. They were maybe all unveiled together. Yeah, well, you remember yeah. like the Kelly signing day when they all had yeah, to write their own yeah, name yeah. on a bit of paper and turn it over? Imagine how long a table would have to be for 17. It'd have to be like one of those primary school dinner tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or like one of those kind of uh, horseshoe type yeah, yeah. ones. A conference. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they built all those offices in Hammondville. Uh, <laughs> Um, that that left them though with a, a squad of thirty one players, which uh, Jim Leishman felt was a bit too big. Um, <laughs> so J- Jim Leishman, um, what did he do with the extra ones? <laughs> we only took twenty two. Okay. <laughs> Jeff Brown of St Johnston wasn't very happy at this because two of the players that were included in that were uh, Gary Bowling and Nathan Lowndes, right. and those were both signed from St Johnston, who'd been a bit of an established top flight club, were doing yeah. very well at that point. Both of them were offered much bigger wages than they were on at St Johnson. St Johnson probably the one team in that era who didn't yeah um, Celtic maybe who didn't chuck big yeah, money yeah, it's, it's really like, St Johnson are, are kind of hard done by throughout this entire era because they because they're run by uh, Jeff Brown they're run properly yeah. they don't overspend and they keep year after year coming up against teams in the first division who are just burning money mm-hmm. reaching its, sort of, its pinnacle when it got to Gretna much later on but it was Gretna mm. I mean they'd won the league when they finished their game but when Gretna finished their game they'd lost it but they, yeah. they were punished horribly for yeah. them um, so Jeff Brown criticised us but Jim Leishman was having none of it and said we are just invested in Livingston FC if that's a problem for other teams that's their problem which isn't even good language no. for a guy that's considered <laughs> a, a poet um, that is, that's essentially repeating himself uh, within the same sentence didn't even rhyme no, no. Um, so upon doing this well, the, the, the marquee signing of the bunch was uh, Michael Hart from Aberdeen mm-hmm. for whom they spent apparently 225 grand I mean, it's not much of a marquee signing. He's, he's, he's been on loan at them in the previous season. He was 21. I think he was a Scotland and the 21 right. player. So there was some sign. And actually, throughout this, there, there was a lot of a focus on young players, which mm-hmm. is, as a business yeah. model, isn't yeah, too right. bad. Yeah. But it didn't work. Um, <laughs> some other players they brought in, they brought in Kino, um, oh, yeah. a good player. Um was ex-Malaga, who was mm-hmm. playing in the Spanish second tier at the time. Not going to be cheap. They got two boys in on loan from Brescia in Serie A. Obviously, I think I don't know if Missoni was involved by this point in the Italian contacts mm. or what. Simone Del Nero, who actually went on to have a really good career with Lazio, but didn't play much for Livy, and Massimiliano Caputo, who I kind of remember a bit more yeah. than Livy. Stuart Lovell was brought in from Hips. Again, big wages. Um, and then from Airdrie, another team who'd already suffered. They were essentially like picking apart other teams that had financial crises, <laughs> crises in order to create their own. Um, they brought in Javi Sanchez, Broto and David Fernandez for free. Yeah. I mean, in terms of two players who went on to play yeah. for Celtic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broto in a big big, point, big part for Celtic, or at least in that season. The, yeah. the, the well, Fernandez was great fun as well until yeah. Harry Coleman ruined his knees. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they also brought in Austin. This was separate from the 17. The 17 was a, it was a bunch of other no marks. Um, Oscar Rubio, former Real Madrid centre yeah. half. He was, um, he was good. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, Didier Santini, from formerly the previous club was Lille. Yeah, yeah so yeah, sorry, I got another guy coming straight out yeah. of. Um, and that actually was a theme throughout that period. Scottish team just bringing in yeah. Bosmans from yeah. French, yeah, top, yeah. big French. We club. can bring in Bosmans. Freddie Dindler came in from Lille for Killing yeah, at the same yeah. time. It's like he was playing for French top flight. 
Um, then they also spent money on, or I think, on Lee Mako. Um And then they also brought in um, two guys I just said because I never heard either of them, Martin Peterson and Noko Djokovic. No. No, no, don't know them. But this was this no. was season one. Yeah, but that's been <laughs> Philip Brinkman as well, who came from Le Havre. So again, these are, this is where all the wages are going, and yep. that was kind of the theme. And then it's not on there because it's <laughs> some mass mathematical equations. <laughs> the next season, they had a wee bit of a change of, of tack because what they decided to do was bring in loads of young boys. So we've got Tom English, not not the journalist, he was a nineteen-year-old, I think, from Man United. Mm. Never heard them. No. no. Emiliano Alcese, a 19-year-old from Argentinos Juniors, as you do. Um, similar to Alex Garcia of Hamilton. No, indeed, nothing, indeed, yeah. nothing questionable about that. Um, <laughs> don't think he played. Alessandro Cassini, a 16-year-old from Lazio. And Fernando Lopez, a 19-year-old from Atletico Madrid. I don't think they made a single appearance between them. <laughs> Interesting. Then, then they went, they went big because they went Emmanuel Dorado from Almeria yeah. uh, Fernando Pasquinelli playing from Tempoli yeah. in Argentina yeah. Kelly Berville from Nice who I don't think I ever played for no, uh, Julian Maidana who's playing for Racing Club who's one of the biggest teams in Argentina right. had been playing first team for them they previously played their other team in Argentina in the top flight and they're like yeah, yeah Livingston sounds fine <laughs> Sort of halfway between guys, yeah. but you can get in and out, no worries. David McNamee and Burton O'Brien, um, both from Blackburn, mm. again, probably big money. Eugene Daddy from Aberdeen. Guillermo Amor, yeah. and then he came in, former Barcelona player, European Cup winner, right. played about three games and then pissed off because he fell out with whoever was the manager at the time because there were several of them. And Rolando Zerati. So this is Livingston, crowds were probably never above like four or five thousand, mm. bringing in literally dozens of players from. Big money, big clubs. Yeah. Unsurprised. Oh, they, they started off 2003, 2004. We're bringing in Jim Lachlan and Derek Lilly from Dundee United. Yeah, that's a real, real step down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but probably still big wages. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Boys. Jamie McAllister for Aberdeen, mm-hmm. who Jamie McAllister ended up playing for Scotland while he was still Livingston player, I think. Right. And yeah. Yeah, I think he played in the um, Alfreded Far East tour. Oh, yeah. um, under Betty Votes uh, if I, I think he played a few games under Betty and Theodore Whitmore from Hull because everyone needs a Jamaican um, it's also worth mentioning that Zarate's brother is Moro Zarate yeah. oh is that his actual brother Zarate yeah. has two caps for Argentina yeah. as well yeah. uh, at that point they went into administration <laughs> unsurprisingly <laughs> um, and went on to still win the League Cup because they still had half these players and then the next season they were down to like Getting and Robert Snodgrass and Graham Dorans out of your team, mm. which they could have just done all along. Yeah. Excellent. Now, as we're speaking of administration, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, I've gone for Motherwell. Um, the Trailblazers of skipping out in your debt. Uh, so, funded <laughs> by John Boyle, also of Zoom Airlines, uh, he came in with big ideas. Uh, wanted to have Lanarkshire United you know, unite all the Lanarkshire teams, which went down as well as you can imagine it did, um, and wanted to make Motherwell Scotland's third force. Um, that's their real lack of ambition yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to win the league not or we want to finish fourth and get <laughs> early you Europa League he made a big thing about how he wanted to, to stop or how he wanted to bring old firm fans from other to Fur Park instead of going that's to fine, yeah, Park a lot of the things that he did were very positive he did a whole lot of he basically tried everything impossible to get people through the gates did a bunch of reduced things bring a pal along for free all of those things mm. boxed Craig Brown 
Latterly box Craig Brown. I mean, to actually, you want to get people through the door, put that on at half time. Craig Brown versus uh, John Boyle's a boxing match, just do it every Saturday, and the crowds will queue at the door. No worries. The pro- like, and again, a lot of these things were good ideas, but he seemed to want it to happen overnight. And again, as we all know, and as we all recognise with sort of fan engagement stuff now as well, it's not something that happens overnight. You need to spend the time, the money. If he spent the money that he did on that over the period of two or three years, then you would have progressively potentially have brought in more people. Uh, he did not. Um, and yeah, things broadly, I mean, we finished seventh and fourth, so becoming the third fourth force didn't really work. But broadly, he took a club that owned its own stadium, um, had new stands throughout, or sort of east and, and main stand are fine, but the south and the Cooper were sort of reasonably new at the time. Um, a club that was run in the black by uh, John Bl- John Chapman, and yeah, kind of got us in a bit of bother. So the the money that we spent on this, so there was the the number of bodies that were brought in was was absolutely astonishing. Um, but better than that, in terms of sort of judging it, is the money that we spent. As you're saying, with the, the fees that Rangers mm-hmm. were paying, um, Motherwell were spending just daft money. So we weirdly the one that we made money on was Andy Gorham. Because um, we we sold them in Manchester United for hundred grand, which is remains one of the strangest. Yeah. Uh, that, that does just seem to me like Ferguson just wanted to take the piss out of football. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I can bring a thirty-year-old fat goalkeeper from Motherwell and we'll still win the league. Yeah, but the, so in amongst this, while the fees are pretty big, the wages well, I warrant at one point or during this time. Uh, Motherwell's wage bin, wage bill was accounting for ninety-seven percent of the club's turnover, <laughs> which. Sounds like a recipe for success. <laughs> I like it. I like your logic on this. Um, so, it's uh, 100% is fine. <laughs> 3% <laughs> of um, So Don Goodman was brought in from San Fletcher Hiroshima on loan and then latterly for free, but again... We're that, that's my favourite type of transfer, I have to say, when you, yeah. you bring in like, an English guy or like someone very normal mm-hmm. from like on loan from... Like, the Far East or yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how on earth are uh, 150 grand on Kevin Twaddle uh, <laughs> 375 grand on Jed Brannan uh, 200 grand on Derek Adams 150 grand on Tony Thomas who is or was utterly terrible I don't know to yeah. be honest he was I think it was a connection so obviously Pat Nevin was director of football and up until even up until the last year and, and presumably still his claim but Pat Nevin was very much claiming that Motherwell should not have gone into administration. Um, the fact that they were using, losing two million pounds a year, we no don't go into administration. He he reckon he could get them out of that. And as the business director, whoever it was, he brought in guys like Tony, Tony Thomas from who was left from along one way along the line. But just astonishing, astonishing amounts of money. But the one which the one weirdly which we know all the details of as well because it ended up going to court um, was that Motherwell spent £500,000 on John Spencer mm-hmm. so £500,000 on John Spencer is again by today's standards like Motherwell spent half a million pounds on a player he was in his 30s by that point right? no selling mm-hmm. no, no, no value yeah, yeah, just he, he played on for yeah, a good while beyond that but it was all sort of dropping 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 yeah. but spending uh, half a million pounds on John Spencer now the reason why we know all the details of this is because he, the club loaned John Spencer on upon his arrival £100,000 because obviously, I don't know why so the club loaned him £100,000 on his arrival um, and in the aftermath of his departure um, it's di- it was difficult to tell whether it was John Boyle or whether it was the club 
but they were pursuing him for this money because he never paid it back. This went on until 2009. This is still mm-hmm. relatively recently, but because it all went through to court, all of his the details of his contract and everything were made public through that. So John Spencer was £500,000 uh, fee for him, obviously £100,000 loan, uh, £175,000 signing on fee, and five and a half grand a week on wages, plus a house, plus a Jaguar. Um, <laughs> magic. He scored seven goals in 21 games in his loan spell, 11 goals in 33 games um, on his, on his once he actually signed as well. So he's got a one in three uh, mm. strike rate for Motherwell. It was... Those in Gary Wills. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, the, the Spencer one is the one, the one that always gets to me and the, as I say Motherwell club it was run in the black mm. owned the whole stadium and on what was the 20, 24th of April um, Motherwell fans woke up to I think it was the record had well bust as a headline and Motherwell the story in the morning was that Motherwell were going into liquidation uh, that afternoon as it turned out, um, they did not go into liquidation of the administration instead, um, which, as we know, is different. <laughs> has been, has been yeah. debated at length, is, has, is different. Um, John Boyle uh, claimed that the reason that, that everything fell down was the, the failing of the TV deal, which is mm, partly true. Yeah. Partly true. Um, Motorola going bust, which meant that they lost sponsorship money. Um, the old firm's decision to block his SPL TV plan, which, all right. Uh, the dwindling gates because of the uncompetitive nature of the SPL now dominated completely by Celtic and Rangers. I see. And the the general economic downturn, which is, is, has harmed the people using the hospitality. Mm. Mm. Yeah, some of them are a bit sus. Yeah. But, and spending half a million pounds. Yeah. And spending yeah. half a million yeah, pounds on John Spencer. The, on the, on the, on the uh, 24th of April, um, 17 players were. Given the Marshall, they were safe for living. <laughs> 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 Seventy players were holding into a minibus and drifting to Livingston Football Club. Um, Carl Reddy um, had uh, had my favourite quote of it was that um, Boyle's allowed the club to go to the administration. If I met him in the street, I would kick his ass. Which is again probably fair, yeah. given that you've been you've been you've you've been there, you've signed your contract, and then you've been chucked to the door yeah. because somebody else can't run it properly. Uh, the the worst thing for me out of that is that the John Boy was then allowed to kind of basically continue to operate as the yeah. owner of. Yeah. Or once you've fucked a club like that, you should be basically hunted forever. Mm. Kind kind of ironically, um, where Motherwell are now is almost Probably entirely, almost mm. entirely not not so much down to him, but almost entirely down to what happened next, which was the the Wellworth saving campaign, which of which um, current Motherwell chief exec Alan Burrows was a big part of, and again. For, for uh, Alan Burrows does a huge stratospheric rise but he was a, a huge part of the Wellworth saving campaign as well and obviously there's now at the club and the, it's something which is now presumably drummed well in the club is that mm. this can't happen again so, mm. and I, I imagine that's that's similar to a lot of clubs and again, Motherwell as I say as, as facetious as they say they're trailblazers and dropping your debt there's clubs that are still paying that off in a way mm-hmm. which we paid back three pound however much it was in the pound mm-hmm. uh, we benefited from that because we went first but again somebody was going oh, yeah, to the rules weren't there weren't yeah. rules at yeah. the time so they kind of um, the rules the the and no. then Motherwell survived because Falkirk spent all their money on players instead of a stadium yeah <laughs> yeah. It's, it just seems I mean there was so much came out of it that that kind of period did just have such an impact yeah. on like the next in fact as you say we're still kind of seeing that now yeah. like 
clubs at Dundee United, for example, yeah. still paying back debt of things that they yeah. did then. Yeah, and, it, it, and a number of clubs kind of went into either administration or ended up dropping down leagues because of it. Um, you know, it happened to Wraith as well. It's happened to Livingston. It's happened to a number of teams, and they've had to work. Yeah, yeah, they've had to. Yeah, I know. Um, you. Because of the way that everything works and everything's kind of cyclical, though, you do wonder if at some point it'll happen again. It doesn't seem like there's anything in place for such sort of mad spending to happen again. But you also kind of think at some point, I wonder if people get a bit excited and somehow there's another TV deal and money comes in and, and that kind of very sensible, cautious approach that chairman and uh, board members are taking just now starts to go out the window again. As I say, it doesn't seem like it's likely to happen anytime soon, but yeah. you kind of know what football's like in two or three generations down yeah, the line. Yeah. As you say, the chief executives now or chief executives that lived through it yes. the first time, yeah, they're yeah. well aware of what happened. Whereas, as you say, in two or three generations' time, in 30 years, 40 yeah. years, I remember that stuff. What stuff? No, I just used to do that. But, but, it, but it's also exciting signing somebody for like your club record fee. I mean, when, nowadays you'd be absolutely terrified. Like, I never, we never rover sign anyone, even for like on a free transfer. But you think oh, their wages must be pretty big. Like you, you start I, I, to get a bit panicky. But, but you know, back then it'd be like oh, amazing. Like you're well, I think our, our club record fee, I think, is still there four hundred grand for Paul Wright and I believe. How are we spending half a million pound on a player? Mm. Like, that, you know what I mean? Like, I do, this, this is actually uh, th- there's a collection of teams which I didn't pick as well because I'm desperate for, for example, Rob or Joel to do the mm. Hearts one or Gary, Gary, yeah. Gary to do the Dundee one as well. Yeah. Which is yeah. the Hearts they can split it all across the various eras for them as well. Yeah. The Gary can do it in the sort of three part episode. <laughs> But, and, uh, the funny thing we fed to finish off on that was uh, when you're talking about the Motherwell thing and the Motherwell fans waking up with that and it's quite possible I don't you know the situation Bill me that basically no one would have known no. very much about it nowadays that couldn't happen because you, somebody would have oh, tweet out a rumour yeah. and mm-hmm. it would all be on forums and stuff that wasn't really there at the time and so you could just have gone you know you could go to bed and say hey, tomorrow go to the game on Saturday and you wake up and your club's basically yeah. it was listening to listen to the radio all day because again that's the, that, yeah. it was updates throughout the day of what was happening to Motherwell and again as I say you woke up in the morning it was a case of Motherwell going into a liquidation and that's that um, didn't they though so yeah. good laugh yeah. regrets yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway uh, somehow we've managed to absolutely tear through that that's so good, yeah, yeah. thanks very much guys mm-hmm. uh, so as always we're available on Twitter we're available on Facebook we're available on Instagram it's uh, tennispodcast at gmail.com uh, there will not be a Patreon uh, after this episode uh, there will be one however tomorrow afternoon uh, myself and Craig Cairns will be having a look at the European games from Tonight. Well, tonight. Yeah. And we will yeah. be doing a, a quick preview of the weekend's action as well. Yeah. And try well, and pick it'll up not be tonight us. by the time you listen to this because it'll probably be out on Thursday late night rather than yeah, that would be right. Friday morning type. You'll probably be listening to it, so it'll be yesterday. <laughs> but today, Thursday, it's, um, it's tonight. It's tonight's games, yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> Thanks very much for your time again tonight, Greg. <laughs> You're very welcome, Graham. It's, uh, it's been a lovely fucking day. It's a shame about that way, um, Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, Graham. Sports Social Podcast Network.